Wild women, welcome. This is the Femme Podcast. If you're new around here, I'm Jack, one half of the Femme Duo. Before you dive into today's episode, I want to give you a heads up. The Femme Podcast is on season number two. You're about to listen to an episode from season one, which was the Spiritual Smackdown podcast where we invited women to rise from rock bottom. So season one is all about the Spiritual Smackdown. Season two is all about rising from greatness to greatness. More on top of more on top of more. It's where we tap into everything your woman desires. The money, the sex, the wealth, the power, the pussy desires. Start here and then come join us for season two. We're waiting. It's like a little tap on the butt or a huge womp on the booty. A spiritual smackdown is the universe's way of saying, hey, you, it's time for a change. It's time to listen to your intuition. You know, that little voice you've been ignoring. It's time for something bigger, something miraculous. But before you get to experience those highs you got to shift through the lows. Oh, those lows. And those often start at rock bottom. Hey, I'm Rob. And I'm Jack. We're best friends and business partners. We life together, work together, play together. Basically all the things together. And somehow we ended up here. With a community of thousands of badass, beautiful women who want more from life than staying surface level. So we're going deep. This podcast is going to connect you with the woman who's been to rock bottom through the exact same thing that scares you the most. We'll address the fears that are keeping you stuck, the heartbreak you've never healed from, the broke ass months. Oh, I remember those. We're giving you all the resources you need to shift your life and business to rise so that you can finally start living a life you're wild about. So welcome to this space, a space to listen to those hard truths and learn from them. A space to connect with women who aren't pretending to have it all figured out. This is a space for women to finally understand and celebrate that rock bottom is often the very place to rise. So go ahead and fill your cup with coffee or wine and come get real with us as we spit our truth and get ready to rise. Hey guys, welcome back to the Spiritual Smackdown podcast for the wild women ready to rise. So today we want to dive into more of Robin's story. And Rob, I really want to touch base on things like you've always really went against the grain. You've always paved your own path. And when did that start becoming a thing you did, a thing that you chose? What was that first experience like for you? Ooh, well, I think that other people started recognizing that I was a little bit unique, creative, different from a super young age. Like if we're going way back, I don't know how far you want to go back here. But in grade three, I auditioned for an art school where I sang and danced and really got to express my full personality, probably for the first time, which was really exciting. And it's cool to be a kid and to have someone call you out before you really know yourself. So I think that was the first time I really recognized like, oh, I'm a bit different. I'm eccentric. You know, I was auditioning for an art school. So I was like, oh, I'm artsy. Yeah, this is against the grain. This is not what is the norm. It's not following the path that everyone else does. Exactly. This is not the norm. And I remember my mom sitting me down being like, you know, this is a big choice. You're only eight, but you're at a huge juncture. Are you going to do 
regular public school or are you going to choose to identify for the first time in your life as something unique, as someone different? And so I did. I went to art school and I like made that choice for myself and it felt so fucking awesome. And I'm still such good friends with so many of the people that I met there. And my one friend said to me one time, you meet these people that are on your life path. He used this um, like analogy of like a ribbon, you know, like you see a ribbon flowing and they're just like always on that same path with you, like always in the same flow. And when I imagine those people that I went to art school with, I imagine those people, my people that are like on the same flow in the same like ribbon of life as me. So I'm really glad that I honored myself at that age and had that Jackie Carr and Mary Beth from Rock Your Bliss. If you guys don't listen to their podcast, you should. They're amazing. But I listened to one episode recently and they were like, what was your first hell yes? Like, when do you remember having that like full body hell yes? And I think that was one of my first ones was like saying yes to the differences. And at such a young age, right, where most of us, we were talking about this with a client this morning, like you have these tendencies as a child. You have these things that you just know and how you show up in this natural state. And then what happens for most of us is that we don't follow that, where we don't follow that fuck yes that you were just talking about. And then all of a sudden, things get shut down on us. Like I can imagine if you didn't say yes to that art school, like maybe you wouldn't have learned how to express your creativity. You likely would not be the person that you are today. Yeah. Totally. Which is crazy to think about, isn't it? It is. And this leads to the story that we were just talking about this morning that I'll dive into next. But recognizing that first time in your life that you give yourself permission to like fully just be you, you know, giving yourself permission. I think that's the biggest thing that we work with a lot on with our clients and what listeners hear. Like it's this feeling that you need that permission slip. How do I give myself permission? Like, where do I get this permission from? Because it's a big thing to go against that norm to like really stand out in your own uniqueness and to stay true to that. Yes. Oh my God. And the thing is, it only gets harder as you get older, right? So by saying yes to myself at age eight, I then got more comfortable saying yes to myself over the years and over the years and over the years, which I realized looking back in hindsight, that really taught me to trust myself right? Trust my decisions. And my dad always says to me, oh, Robin, like you'll always land on your feet. You know, like, oh, here she goes again, but you'll always figure it out. And I trust that. I know that. Even though there, obviously I doubt myself and have these micro fears creep up through the day, I never have those gigantic fears that keep me like super stuck or in something that I hate for a really long time because I did learn early on to really just trust myself and to make those decisions for myself that feel good and aligned, even if it means I'm like positioning myself as a total fucking outcast. And I would definitely say that's a gift that you have is that you have been able throughout your life that I have witnessed at least over the past 11 years is that you've made some choices that leave other people looking like what the fuck? What is she? <laughs> what is she thinking? Like, is she actually going to do this? Is she going to give this up? Is she going to sell her six-figure business? Mm, you can imagine my husband's face <laughs> as I make some of these decisions. Your no, husband's face, sure. your dad's face as you were younger. I can see all their faces. Totally. Because, I mean, those two, especially male role models, you know, that you just mentioned are super logic-driven, right? They're so logic-based, practical, 
ego driven, mind driven, like everything is just, you know, what do you mean you're going to change everything? This is no, no, like this is how it's supposed to be. But for me, that's never been my plan. Like my plan has never been linear. It's never made sense. The long term vision is just joy. You know, there is no timeline. There is no end goal. There is no, oh my God, I did it. I've arrived. For me, it is just this continuous growth. And when something doesn't feel good anymore, I'm just ready to shed it, let it go, move on. What's next? I know it's got to be bigger and better, you know? And what happens when that bigger and better sometimes looks like a step, like a giant step backwards? Like, let's go back to the time where you graduated from university, had the dream job, and found yourself serving up some good old sandwiches, some some good barbecue. good old sandwiches. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So, guys, I did all those things. Jack's not lying. So, I went to university. I got an honors degree in business to make my daddy proud, you know. After university, I moved to the big city to spread my wings, become independent, and it really worked for me. I, like, loved my city life. Thought that was what I was destined for. Told my dad when I was 12 that I was going to move to New York, live on a skyscraper, rule the world, never get married, never have kids, you know, the whole goddess shebang. So when I graduated uni and moved to Toronto, I was like this is it. Like, here I go. I'm really like starting the path. And I had had an internship before then, did really well. It was so boring. I hated it. The only thing I loved was that it made me feel like a grown up. You know, I was like 20 and I felt like a 30 year old. So I loved that feeling of being a woman. But what I realized after was that it was a total imposter from myself, you know, from who I really am. So I was sitting at that desk as an intern being like, okay, what's going to go next? And I was basically working for the version of what's the woman's name in Devil Wears Prada. Oh, Meryl Streep. The woman I worked for looked like her. People were terrified of her. She was so strong. She was so kind and so compassionate, but she was this fucking powerhouse, you know? So I worked under her for two summers and I learned so much and I just adored her. Anyways, from there, I applied for the job on Bay Street. This small investment firm was taking all of the tests that you take to become an investment banker, whatever. I don't even know what they're called anymore. So I was studying, doing all those things. The chances of me getting this job were literally zero in a million. Obviously, I got the job. I like don't know what happened, but I got hired. And so I was like, oh, oh, my God. Okay, well, I got the job. You know, I have this dream job. It's literally on Bay Street in a small, modern, amazing office on like the 25th floor. I'm going to work my way up to be like a junior investment banker and... I'm going to come to work in my pencil skirt every day with my stilettos on and eat lettuce wraps for lunch. And that's going to be my day, you know, pour a little crystal light into my water and feel good about myself. So that was my path. Everyone was so happy for me. Everyone was like, oh, God, even telling the story, I'm like, was that real life? 
It feels so It feels not real life to me because I I also (laughs) just had this thought is like, this is also like really when I entered your life. So got the job, felt into it for a little bit. And then yeah, a week before I started, I was just got all signs pointing no, like definitely not. This is not you. I just felt like I was heading towards a dead end. And I could literally see my life in 10 years as this like tired, I can't even use the right words, but like I walked into that office and felt like a sex object. You know, there were no other women there. There were all late 30s to early 50s men in suits. And like I felt the eyes on me walking through the office. It was everything my ego loved. I wanted to be that like little girl with all the power. And to me, power at that time meant having that adoration and feeling sexy and like, you know, having my ego just totally ramped up. And even that like thought of that determination, that drive, that ambition of like, I could see you in this, like I'll work 20 hours a day if that's what it's going to take. I'm going to get to the top. Yes, for sure. And I do have that drive even now, right? That which is what's allowed me to do what I do and to build my own businesses. But that decision was coming from obviously, I mean, you hear me talk about it, like a really unhealthy place, Mm -hmm. right? Mm hmm. So thank God, before I started that job, I had the intuitive guidance nudging me along, just screaming, no, 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 no. So I called my boss before I started, like the week before I started from the desk of my internship. And I said, I'm really sorry, but I just, this is not the job for me. Thank you so much for the opportunity but I'm not coming to work on Monday. And this man just lost it. He screamed at me like, do you know that you're throwing away your entire career? I'll tell everyone in the industry about this. I looked at hundreds of resumes. Do you know how lucky you are? Just like literally gave it to me. Like everyone in the cubicles around me was staring at me like what is happening right now, you know? And so in that moment, it just reaffirmed every choice I had made, obviously, because the man that was going to be my boss was literally the devil. So I hung up and I was like, okay, so my internship ends tomorrow. And I have a year lease for an apartment in Toronto. No job. What's next? Before we go on to what's next, how scary was it for you to make that phone call? Once I got to that stage, I don't remember being scared at all because like I said, I just, I trusted myself. I knew, I knew that job wasn't for me. I knew I didn't want to go to university for business. I knew I didn't want to be a piece of meat in an office. I knew I didn't want to shut off my creativity any longer. All of these things that were just kept adding up and adding up and honestly, finally making the decision I think it probably felt like a relief, like, oh, thank God, I don't have to pretend that I'm going to succeed in that environment anymore. I would have never lasted. Like, I never would have lived. I can't do math. I don't like numbers. Oh, my gosh. I just did you know, not like, even think of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay, not obviously, I can do math. Like, I got through business in university, which requires you to do math. But I don't thrive. I don't excel. I don't like it. Yeah, you would have just been like running in that hamster wheel. You would have been like, okay, the paycheck is coming in, but found no fulfillment, 
no joy. And today, like that's all your life is about is finding that joy, teaching others how to find that joy, living intentional. Yeah, I literally would have been one of your clients being like, so, hey, my name's Robin. I make nine bajillion dollars a year. I have the corner office. I work in New York, but I have no joy and I'm loveless and I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Yeah, I would have like taken one look and been like out of alignment, out of alignment, out of alignment, like yeah. bang, 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 bang. I'd be like, yes, client for life because she has so <laughs> much shit to now work through. Totally. Because she followed all of the things of the shoulds, living up to other people's expectations, all the things that we've been talking about that keep coming up because it does define so much of our life and so many of the paths that we choose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even as we're sitting here talking about it, I'm like, oh, just high-fiving my past self who made that decision, you know, like who didn't go down the path that like didn't follow those shoulds that created my own set of rules that like rewrote those expectations and really just realigned and refocused. So part of the reason why I asked why that was so scary is because I also know your dad. I was like, oh, "Oh, my dad is. How did that conversation go with him talking about those expectations and that like hard as F conversation? Mm -hmm. Oh, man. My dad was not stoked, you guys. I think elated that one of his children was, you know, like his first, the oldest one had like graduated and was doing something. And then, yeah, I put a pin in that pretty quick. And I think it was deflating for him probably like, oh, God, you had a ticket to stability. You had a ticket to security with your finances and with a good job, with a great company. And in my dad's opinion, I blew it. Oh, and even those two words, stability and security, Mm -hmm. how often are those the driving factors for a lot of people, for a lot of clients that we work with, that that was the driving factor. And then they get all the things. They check off all the boxes. They have the career, the house, the marriage, the stability, the security, and they're left feeling empty. They're left feeling unfulfilled and do not know even where to look for that joy. Well, totally. And for me, I have never been driven by security. I don't need stability in my life in order to feel secure and like I'm thriving. For me, that sense of joy and fulfillment comes from feeling alive and feeling passionate and inspired every day. And that is exactly why it took me so long to get comfortable with the idea of stability and comfortable with the idea of security. Because for me, for a really long time, that meant being locked down, feeling restricted, not being able to make fluid choices in my day, having a nine to five job that I knew I never wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. So for a long time, I rebelled against a lot of things that felt like a foundation because I never wanted to be tied down. I never wanted to feel the way that I imagined everyone felt when they had the mortgage, the car payments, the 18 kids, the white picket fence, the two-week vacation. I had such an aversion to those things that I just didn't understand that stability could also be freeing and that stability could feel liberating. Yeah, and I remember the first time I heard of this and thought of this idea or heard this concept, I guess, when I was at Unleash the Power Within with Tony Robbins and he talks about, I think it's, 
six like needs that people really have, but two that really stand out for me were certainty and uncertainty as two separate needs. And he's like, cool. Yeah. And and I remember first he goes with certainty and you're like, okay, people want to be certain. They want to have that security. They want to be sure of things. He's like closely attached to that is uncertainty because people want that freedom. They want the spontaneity. They want logically they maybe don't, but that's what their soul wants. Openness. That's where like expansion comes in. That's where the unknown lives. And that's, well, to me, that's exciting. That's where like the magic lives. Oh, for sure. And I would say between those two, certainty and uncertainty, the uncertainty has definitely, especially through my 20s, always took way higher precedence than the certainty. Pretty much no choice in my 20s that I ever made was based on certainty Like we said, against the grain. Against the grain. Unique. Most people, I think, choose certainty. And that's why... Like exploring this conversation and having that is like really how you have just been able to keep following that path, being able to take that step when it's a step into the unknown. Yeah. Well, and so from there, I obviously was like, okay, well, I'm newly graduated from university. I have rent to pay. I need a job, you know, like I need to figure out what's next. And this is the thing. I've always been super driven, right? Like I'm innately motivated. I don't need someone else to wake me up in the morning. I don't need someone else to tell me to get shit done. I'm self-driven. So I came up with a plan for myself and my plan was to do nothing. I literally was like, okay, I dedicated four years to learning about something that I don't give a shit about. So now I'm going to invest that time back in myself. I'm going to get out there and like get reacquainted with my passions and figure out what I want to do and where I want to go. Okay. I feel like this needs a little hold up here because your plan was to do nothing. Explain this one for us. (laughs) But do you guys not make that plan for yourselves? The new nothing plan? I'm going to say that's pretty new for most of us. Yeah. I mean, looking back, it sounds crazy, but in the moment I felt confident, you know, I felt like I knew what I was doing. So my plan was to literally take a month to get reconnected to the things that I loved. I'd spent four years going to business school, going through the motions and I am so thankful, but for some reason I was mindful enough at the age of, you know, 21, 20 or 21, to get reconnected to my own roots, to get reconnected to my creativity, my passions, to rediscover the things that uh, inspired me and that really made me feel alive and lit me up. So I didn't initially have a job at the sandwich shop. Thank you very much. I actually had no job So there was a leap of faith there. (laughs) There's a little bit of a leap of faith. Yeah. And I actually in the beginning was like, I'm just not going to take a job. I'm just going to figure it out. And that changed when my friend opened the sandwich shop and he was like, oh, can you come help us out? Anyways, my plan was to spend an entire month in bookshops. So what I did was every single day I went to Chapters Books and basically just perused the aisles and got a coffee 
and like the cheapest coffee I could. I was just going to say, because you had no money, you weren't working. Yeah. So you were like, I'm going to read the books in the bookstore. Yeah. I'm going to read the books in the bookstore. <laughs> and you, you I can't like, take them home. Oh my I can't God, highlight no. them. Because no, I was the person like leaning up against the bookshelves in the aisle that you like step over when you're looking for the self-help book, you know, and you're like, and um, I'm excuse there, me. Yeah. Like this is not the library, yeah. girl. <laughs> Totally. That was me. So I am, like I said, self-driven. I always want to be getting ahead. I always want to be making like taking major steps forward. Not I'm not like a baby step person. I like leaps, you know. So what was really interesting was I like definitely wanted to keep learning, but there was no pressure on myself. So the books that I opened every day were just whatever I was drawn to in that moment, whatever I felt curious about, whatever I wanted to explore and having that freedom to learn was so gratifying. Like it was so cool to walk into a bookstore and just be like, I feel like looking at this planner and reading this book on. So what I discovered about myself was that I was actually very, and I knew this, but I was so passionate about design, sustainable design, architecture. And I originally wanted to be an architect way back when I was young. And then I discovered that architects don't just like draw pretty pictures of houses. It's actually like super mathematical. So when my dad told me that I was like oh wah, wah, rewrite my future you know yeah this is what you and Craig shared in common my husband when you guys first met I was like what are these magazines these two are just like in dwell all the time I like lived in dwell magazine so then I got super into sustainable design green roofs which is like something I thought I was gonna you know get into and my boyfriend at the time was super into sustainable living sustainable design Anyways, so I thought that was the path that I was heading down, you know, was to go back to school to get a postgraduate degree in some sort of design. And then I took this job at that sandwich shop. So I was working mostly nights and the sandwich shop was so fun, by the way. It was like a blues place. Some of the people I worked with ended up being like are still my best friends. So one day I had been diving into these magazines, doing my do at the chapters, and I was reading all about lighting, sustainable lighting, the future of lighting, lighting design. And like for the first time ever, I realized that lighting was an actual thing. Like who even knows that? Do you know that lighting is like this whole crazy industry? Because I had no idea. No, when you told me you were getting into lighting, I was like, oh, she's gonna like make pretty lampshades. Like, yeah, did not know it was a whole thing. So I was really into lighting, really like excited to dive into it. And one day into the sandwich shop walks this lighting queen, Jody, who owned a lighting store. She became my total mentor. And she sat down at the bar and ordered a beer. And I was like, oh, Hey, I'm Robin. Like, what do you do? She's like, oh, I'm Jody. I own a lighting boutique across the street. And I was like, oh my God, that's your lighting shop. You should hire me. And she's this like strong powerhouse of a woman. So she was like, oh, excuse me, what's that? Let me just like squish you under the big toe of my shoe. I don't just like hire girls that work at sandwich shops, you know? And so she kind of like laughed me off and she was like, haha, yeah, sure. And I was like, no, really you should really hire me. So I dropped my resume off like the next day 
seeker of opportunity. And I went in for an interview and she did. She ended up hiring me. And from there, my like love affair with lighting just escalated. I really started going down the rabbit hole. Okay, you opened up that gate to creativity. You shut down the opportunity for the business career. Mm -hmm. You opened up that door for creativity. You tapped into like allowing yourself to play in the field of what you wanted to do, of reading the books. Then you dove into lighting. And at that time, I really think you thought like, okay, I'm going to be Jody. I'm going to like have my own lighting boutique. I'm going to do all this. That's to me like is what sparked your entrepreneurial journey. It sparked your creativity. And where I find super interesting about your story is how you continually give yourself permission to grow and evolve. Mm-hmm. That you're like, this served me for this season. And what's next? You don't peg yourself, which is what I see happens so much, especially in our industry and women that we work with. They're like, but my network knows me for this. Instagram knows me for this. Like, I can't branch out now. I can't grow. What if I change my thing? Like, is everyone going to stop following me? My clients are going to get confused. And I strongly believe as women and as female entrepreneurs, we are allowed to grow. We are allowed to evolve. And that's where I really find the interesting pieces of your story is how much you have like just been able to keep diving forward and really like closing certain chapters of your life. Like I would love to talk about when you closed that chapter of lighting and when you moved on to events and it continues. I mean, like this summer was massive for you and not to get ahead, but like let's dive there and all the transformation that happened for you this summer in business. Mm -hmm. Well, and one thing I want to say too is it wasn't just in business that these decisions were scary, right? So for me, even like evolving in business was really natural. It was an easy flow of decisions. And I always knew that transforming in business meant up leveling, meant massive growth, meant a welcomed change. For me, the fear was, what are my people going to think? Like, what are people going to think of me when they see, oh, on Facebook, Robin's up to something else. Oh, Robin moved across the country. Oh, she's back in school for this. Oh, she has another job here. Oh, now she's starting her own thing. Like, that felt really messy for me. Yeah. What are they going to think of the girl who is destined to live in New York and run this empire and be on top of the world that moved across the country for a man and mountains and... Uh, yeah simplicity what are they gonna think even still like moved across the country for love like it still makes my stomach flip a little it took me a long time to admit to people I came up with every excuse for years like oh what took you to BC I'd be like oh Emily Carr University oh a job opportunity oh I wanted to travel years and years and years of becoming independent and confident enough in myself that I could say I moved across the country for a man. And also because like New York wasn't like a pipe dream, you know, New York, I feel like was literally if you did not move to the mountains, you were moving to New York. That was your next move. Oh, totally. Like, do you remember sitting at sushi that one night? Laura was there and you were like, Rob, I could see you not having kids because kids in ex- in New York are expensive and they're not really going to fit your lifestyle and you're just going to like rule the world. And I was like, yeah, I'm yep. not going to have kids in New York. You were you like, know? yep, sign me up. Sign me up. That's me. And... 
So that side of things, the personal side of evolution was way harder for me than being like, yeah, I'm going to change my business name. Yeah, I'm going to serve different clients. It was the like, fuck, am I going to call home again and tell my dad that I like started a new business? My, when my grandma asks me, am I going to like really try to explain? Or those people that are Facebook friends from high school that are like, what is she up to now? That was the hardest part for sure. But... Like, you just do it anyways. Yeah, I also think here, and this may take us in a totally different direction and tangent, which happens for us, but what you've also highlighted here that I think is really important is that our personal life and our business life and our evolution is not separate. And I think sometimes we think to compartmentalize that, like, this is my career self, this is my business self, this is my soul work this is my personal life like it all is intertwining it's so intertwining especially when you go down the route of becoming an entrepreneur and owning your own business but honestly I tried having a job I got my dream job in Vancouver working at a lighting showroom with people I loved products I loved high-end big business really cool funky like stated like I loved it until I was like, what do you mean I can't not come to work on Friday? There's this really cool event I want to go to. The parameters on my lifestyle, it just didn't work for me. I want to be able to travel whenever I want to. I want to be able to work on the road. I want to be like, I want that flexibility. I want that lifestyle. And Duncan, my husband, would be the first to be like, still to this day would say, you just cannot work for anybody else. And I recognized that at, I think that I was like 24. I definitely I know the moment I recognized that and I was 24 and I feel like you were same timing a few years behind me yeah I think I was like 24 and so it's funny earlier when you were like oh I thought when you said lighting you were like that can be that like little girl that made lampshades I legit did that I decided that I was going to start my own lighting business right? I was like, I'm not going to work in Vancouver anymore. I'm going to move up the road to this little mountain town, start my own lighting business, and life is going to be peachy. And I'm going to get rich and famous making these lamps. (laughs) I'm sorry, but I remember coming to your house and I could not sleep in the spare bedroom because it was filled with lamps. (laughs) I had to sleep on the couch because the spare bedroom had all these freaking lamps it turned into a lamp factory and I loved it I loved it I got to do this like really cool interior design show in the city to showcase my lamps it was cool it was a really cool project I was like making fun lamps for people but you guys like each lamp took me like eight hours like Duncan would leave for work and come home for work and I would still be designing one small corner of the lamp. Like it was never, it would have never been a feasible. It was, it was, it was not, not going to be lucrative. You're like, I, I just made this beautiful lamp for $40, 40 hours later. They were like $400, but also who buys a refurbished vintage lamp for, f- anyways, it was a stepping stone. It was Exactly. That's what we like to call it in my household. Robin's lighting was the thing that got everything started. But how many people are afraid to take that stepping stone, are afraid of the stepping stone that just want to jump to the big thing? So many. And I didn't. You know, like I didn't let that fear hold me back, even though when I look back, I'm like, that was the most ridiculous idea (laughs) ever. 
right? But I believed in myself. But now it makes for good podcast material. I just want to point out, you guys, like no one believed in me. No one believed that was a good business idea but me. So you don't need anyone else to believe in you to take that first step. If you believe in yourself, you can do it. Here's the thing I will also say. I knew it wasn't working. I wasn't afraid to recognize my failure. You weren't afraid to recognize your failure. And also, let's talk about what did that lead to? Exactly. So this is the cool part. So I was also waitressing at this point. I wasn't just like trying to make a living on lamps. I was waitressing, making really great cash. That was totally fine. The cash flow was not a problem for me. But I was like, okay, if I'm ever going to like take this business seriously and actually start earning money through my business and not just like from being a server then I need to make a change. Something in this business has got to shift. This was just when like those like cool little bistro lights and string lights were coming out for weddings and events. And they were like super vintage looking and really cute. You guys who are listening, they're like those little round lights, you know, that make like patios just look so like a French little bistro. So... I was like, you know, Whistler has a ton of event venues. And I was like, I'm going to put out a PDF, one flat sheet to every single venue to say that Robin's Lighting is now offering event lighting, but not like event lighting, just string lights. So I bought like $500 worth of Bistro string lights, and this was going to be the new direction of my business. You I am laughing at me. I'm only dying over here because I think it's so easy to see like the success you have online. It's so easy to see Blue Violet events and this like incredible <laughs> wedding com- event company and see people's six-figure business and not just you but other people. You forget all the steps it takes. You forget about the lampshades. You forget the hours you spent stringing up these freaking like oh, you guys don't weddings, even know the you know? hours the ladders it's, it's so easy to forget that and then I think about we talk about this with our clients all the time that comparison game that okay like we think everyone else just had this overnight success we don't realize that like I mean there has been a fuck ton of trial and error for me in business there's been like we between the two of us how many businesses have we closed Mm-hmm. How many businesses have we maybe failed at? How many businesses have we succeeded at? How many businesses have been successful that we like our own business this summer that, I mean, on paper, and when you see the income that we earned last year, like incredible, and we still choose to dismantle it to follow what feels good to us. Yeah. And that's what leads to growth, right? So I believe, and this is through total experience, is That when we recognize the things that aren't working and honor the growth process and honor the cycles that we go through in order to evolve and get to that next level, it literally requires us to say like, yeah, you know what? Fuck, this is not working. I need to change this. So I put out that PDF and like literally the next day had three brides email me. I think they were literally the first emails I ever got. And these emails were like, yeah, we want to book you to do the lights at our weddings. And so from there, I was like, oh, who's doing your flowers? What are you doing for table decor? Who's helping you set all these things up? And the brides were like, well, we don't know. And so I offered. 
I was like, yeah, sure. Like, oh, I can do all of that for you. I can make your signs. I can cut some burlap because burlap was the hot ticket item back then. I can do that for you. And so I said yes to everything. Yeah, you saw a void and you were like, I can I fill this. It. I filled every void I possibly could. And people ask me this all the time. Like, what type of experience did you have to become a wedding planner? Where did you go to school? What? I literally taught myself everything by throwing myself under the bus. You actually have to figure this out because <laughs> it's her wedding. It's only... The, the most important day of her life. And you said you could do it. She has no freaking clue that you're her first job. Oh, my God. So my clients, like, years later, I did this, like, 200-person Jewish wedding in, like, my first second year of business, I think it was. And my clients, Justine and Mel, like, years later, were like, oh, my God, we had no idea that you were just, like fresh out of the gates because you never would have known it. The confidence I carried, the amount of work I did, like the things that I was capable of were incredible. Let's hold up here because it's not just the things that you were capable of. It's the things that you had the confidence to go in with that you were like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to rock at it. And you put yourself out there And again, just like going back, because I know we have so many business owners listening here, it's thinking, okay, but I haven't done this before. So what makes me qualified? Honestly, then I was not afraid to work for anything. And my husband would be the first one to say this, but I literally bent over backwards for my clients. Working 20 hour days, answering emails until midnight, driving to the city for meetings. Like I did everything, everything I could to make it work. I showed up so big and so bold that it literally could not have failed. And that's huge. Showing up, you just showed up day after day and you put that effort in and that work. And that's, I think, where often there's people, what we're afraid to do, right? We're Mm -hmm. afraid to show up in our entirety. We're afraid to show up with confidence if it's our first client, if it's our first day on the job, if it's the first time we've tried something. But you know what? everyone has a first. We talked about Tony Robbins. He had a first one-to-one client, guys. He talks about this at the event that I was at. He talks about the first time he ran Unleash the Power Within. When I was there, there was like 10,000 people. He talks about begging four buddies to come to his house and running that event in his living room when they were not so supportive. Everyone has firsts. Mm -hmm. But we tell ourselves these stories of, I can't do this because I haven't done it before or they're not going to see me as this expert or they aren't going to pay me because I haven't blah, 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 blah. Totally. I mean, yeah, the stories that we tell ourselves about business or not being able to get started are the exact things that prevent us from ever getting out of the gates. Yeah. And the you same know, thing I had with- no website. I had a Gmail account. All of my invoices I did from like a fake Excel spreadsheet. Like there was no logo. There was nothing. I literally, for my invoicing, took a screenshot of an Excel. I didn't even save it as a PDF. I took a screenshot and sent it to my clients, you know? Yeah. And so all of those things could have kept you playing small, could have Mm -hmm. stopped you from getting started, could have let you, you know, sit in your living room and never putting that PDF out because, oh, I haven't done it before because I don't know 100% what I'm doing because how the fuck am I even going to invoice them? You didn't let all those stories stop you. Yep, sure didn't. And it worked. The next summer I had five weddings. The next summer I had 12. The next summer I had 
18 and then I had 30 and 40 and so I transitioned Robin's Lighting into an event planning business really quickly. I realized, okay, I found something that works. I'm going to go with this. I love it. Here I go. And so it evolved into a full planning and styling boutique wedding service, basically. And from there, like I continued to say yes to everything. So I started doing florals. I started doing calligraphy. I started do everything you could possibly do for a wedding. I started doing. So not only was I doing 40 weddings a year from the planning side, but I was also doing florals, calligraphy, rentals, everything. Right. Then I had this like massive scale business and I mean, it was amazing, but I also recognized really early on the things I loved about the business and the things that I didn't. So for a long time, I started to shape my vision. What do I want next in this business? Like, what is my ideal role? How do I want to show up in this business once I have an opportunity to choose, right? Because once your business gets big enough, you get to choose who you want to be in that business. Do you want to be the CEO? Do you want to be the operations manager? Do you want to be the salesperson? Do you want to be the creative, right? Do I want to manage relationships or do I want to be behind the scenes? Like what role do I want to play? So really early on, it became very obvious to me that I didn't want to be in the planning logistics side. I wanted to be more in the creative pretty side, the design, right? We're back to that like creative flow and So I started to shape my career. I started to hire interns. I started with free interns who were doing some of my admin work. And then I hired a part-time employee who was doing a lot of the planning and logistics. And then I hired a full-time employee who was doing all of the planning and logistics. So I could step away from that role. And by now I had had a baby. So I had really like cut back on how much time I wanted to be spending on the business And like you guys, hiring employees is fucking hard. You know, like you go through people that work, people that don't work. You really have to try people on and see how it fits and learn how you manage people and what that whole thing looks like. But I found like the perfect employee and she from the very beginning was like, I, yeah, I never want to own my own business. I never want to be a leader or a boss. I just like really want to work with you and do this together. And literally in that moment, I was like, nope, this woman is going to own my business. She is the perfect buyer. I'm just going to manifest this and turn this into the perfect situation. And less than a year later, she bought my business. Yeah. And I was witness to this. I remember getting that text from you. You're like, yep, found who's gonna buy Blue Violet events. Who's gonna take this over? And I think another thing really important to note there is that that time in your life, the reason why you were, I mean, a big reason of why you were desiring to let go of that piece of your business in your life was how it was aligning for you in the season as, you know, you're getting ready to have another baby and making those choices, which like we said in the beginning, like that's not an easy choice to sell a business that you've been a growing for how many years had it been then like five years or something plus like a very steady, secure 
sustainable income, those things that we talked about in the beginning, like that business was booming and growing. Like, And that was the income that allowed us to save money for the down payment on our house and buy our second car and allowed me to buy my RV in cash, you know, like it was my bread and butter. And again, I feel like asking that question that I asked earlier, how scary was it to make that decision for you? Because I feel like same as what you said before, it wasn't. No, it wasn't scary at all. I mean... So in all of this, I had obviously started to build Girl Tribe, which evolved to Femme. We had hit 20K months in our business and we had built a whole other six-figure business. So I now knew that this was within me, you Mm -hmm. know, that I'm capable of exceeding my income potential and reaching my income goals and all of that stuff. So I didn't have that fear anymore. But it was a conversation in my household for sure. Like, are we sure we want to let go of this income? Like, I've got this great business now and everyone knows it and has this like really awesome reputation. And is this just 100K or 100, you know, like whatever that we just want to like let go of? And for me, it was just always a yes. There was no question. And actually, on the day that I was driving to Whistler to sign the contract with the woman who bought it, I like turned off the radio, turned off the like podcasts, everything. And I was like, Robin, lock in here, like feel this emotion, like let yourself sink into it, like really think about this because I really hadn't put much thought into it. You know, like here I was selling my business, my first baby. And I was like, you need to like let yourself process this. But the decision was just so natural that I accepted it. I was like, this is the best thing. This feels so right for me. There is no fear. There is no lack. I'm not scared about anything. This is like the right thing. This is exactly what I wanted. And it was just like one of the best decisions I ever made. Oh, and then, oh my gosh, there's just so many pieces of your story. Because then I'm like, and then what happened one month later? You just talked about like we had been growing this business. So all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm giving up that business, but I have femme and our coaching and things are good there. Like things were like, you know. Great. And then we decide after you sell that business, we're like, okay, let's strip it all away. Let's like go bare bones. Let's ditch a lot of our programs that we have. Let's literally just only do the things that fucking light us up and that feel good, which means that dependable income source is like going to go away as well. Mm-hmm. Did that get scary? Um... The rebrand was the first step in that, right? Like, okay, let's take away this over 25,000 followers and this community that we've built of, you know, tens of thousands of women. And let's just change the name. Let's just... Because it feels good. Because it feels good. It feels good. Yeah, you know, and like everyone I talked to was like, what Girl Tribe is like the best name in the whole world? Like, how could you... Like, what inspired you to change it? And, and, you know, it just didn't feel good. Just didn't feel right anymore. Didn't fit where we were at. We were literally one day being like, yeah, we are not inspired to serve girls. We are serving women. Women, bosses, women who are ready to step in their power. So Girl Tribe just didn't feel aligned. Yeah. And you know what? We're still, like, so drenched in this change, I think. And, like still in that process of stripping down that I'm excited to look back in six months, like as we're introducing new programs and like getting so aligned and we're like really rocking this podcast and, and like loving, I'm loving the change so much, but I don't know if I can look back on it yet 
and say like, is it scary? Because we're just in it. I'm not scared of it. I trust it so much. And I I trust us. I trust the process. I trust the growth. That's literally what I was looking for, to be honest. It's like when you have that trust, it takes away that scary piece. And of course, fears come up. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about this. Uh, fears come up. There's so much, but it's like, it's this good sense of fear that you like literally want to step towards because you have so much trust because there is that belief because we know all the pieces that we're shedding right now are the pieces that are not meant for us are the pieces that are not here for our community. So it's just like that natural evolution, you know? Yep. And for me in my business, having that piece of trust and knowing that I will always figure it out, even if that means a zero income month, that's not a sign of failure for me. That's a sign of growth, of evolution. And I know that after that zero K month comes a 30 K month because I also trust that. I trust the process. Because in that zero K month, you're doing all the work to align. You are letting go of all that that was no longer serving you. You You're really shedding so much. And so you know that all you're doing when you shed is making room for what's meant for you. You are making room for newness. You're making room for all the people who are like, yes, like this is what I've been waiting for. And I've been waiting for you to step into this so I can say yes to you, that I can be like, yes, I want to work with you in this capacity. This is what I've needed. This is what I've been waiting for. Yes. And for me, you know, great. We're making 20K a month. Everything's great. We like crushed income goals for however long that feels good. But now I want more, you know, like now I want to serve 50,000 people and I want to have bigger programs. And for me, that means up-leveling. That means taking that next step. And that next step is that growth. It's that risk. It's that commitment to evolve and shift in your life and business. I'm really lucky too, because I've proved myself, you know, I've built two six-figure businesses. My husband now is like, okay, You're just going to do what you do. I trust that you're making the right decisions. So I have that, right? I have that that support and that freedom to make those decisions because he also knows that I'm going to land on my feet because I've taught him that. And also important there is that want for more, that desire for more is that it's, oh, not I want more money. It's I want more impact and money is that's your report card when you are, you know, when people are paying you and clients are booking you, that's a sign of the impact that you're having. Yeah. And what grade do you want? You know, what do you want your report card to read? I know for me, I want to excel, you know, and excelling for me feels like I'm being of service to thousands of people. And that started as serving wedding clients that started as growing that business and building relationships and a reputation in my town with vendors and people and gaining their trust and delivering a product. And then it evolved into teaching other women how to do the same thing. And now I want that on a bigger scale and a bigger scale and a bigger scale. So I would ask listeners, like, what do you want? What does your report card say? And are you doing the work to get the grades you want? Are you out there taking those risks? Are you out there putting it all on the line? And if you're not seeing the growth in your life and business that you desire to see, it's because you're not showing up. It's because you're not taking those risks and making the hard decisions. And I think it goes back to that belief in yourself and that trust and that, okay, I can do this. And we were talking about this earlier today of, 
okay, as we launch Stripped, our mastermind for the women who is like so solid in that belief, it's not the like, oh, this might happen. It's I know this is my purpose. This is what mm-hmm. I know that I am here to do. And I trust. Mm-hmm. I trust. So I'm willing to invest in myself. I am willing to jump on a weekly mastermind call because I know it's what's going to take me to the next level because you already have that solid foundation. You already have that trust in yourself. You already have the trust in the universe that you are going to be provided for, that your ideas, your intuition is guiding you. But it's also that knowing that I'm going to do the work and that work is going to lead me to success. I think a lot of people have that mentality now that, oh, you know, online entrepreneurs, they only work for five hours a week and they make $50,000 a minute. It's like, well, no, you know, like, are you ready to show up? Are you ready to say yes? Are you ready to commit to the work? Like, you're not going to get a six pack if you don't work your abs, if you don't work your core. I'm like, that's what this mastermind to me is all about. Like, are you ready to do the work? You know, like, are you ready to commit to your process? Are you ready to get scared in your business in order to get elevated and in order to feel that expansion? Because from someone who's done it time and time again, you know, from my very beginning days to my days now, it's the scariest decision to make, but it's also the most liberating and the most rewarding. And I think that's why you're so able to keep stepping into new things is you have this unwavering belief in yourself. You're like, Mm -hmm. if I show up, this is what that outcome is going to be. That's a big reason. We and talk- when I show up, my people show up for me, right? If I show up to sell my weddings, people buy them. If I show up to lead women, women want to be led. But if I never show up, if I never put myself out there and take that initial risk, then there is no invitation for relationship. There is no invitation for investment. There is no invitation for that growth. Mm-hmm. And that's literally why I think the weekly aspect of our mastermind was so important to me. Mm -hmm. If this was the invitation for the women who are joining us, if you can show up weekly and commit to that growth, that learning, that expansion, that support, that accountability, if you can show up for yourself, then other people can show up for you. And like Jack said, showing up once a week to be guided and led by other leaders, by women who have been where you are and who have done that is a key to massive expansion, right? It's showing the universe that you're ready to grow and to take that next leap. It's also just a level of commitment to yourself. Can you put this in your planner and show up for it every single week without fail? Because that's the level of commitment that's going to shift you into the energy to hold space for a six-figure business to there and be there. It means you're entering the arena. You're not playing small. You are showing up, you are there, you're ready to do the work, you're willing, you're willing, Mm -hmm. and you know, without a doubt, what that's going to do for you, you know, that outcome, because you have that trust, you have that belief in yourself. If you guys are ready to take that bold step and to walk the path with Jack and I to uplevel in your life and in your business, if you are ready to upgrade your report card, to bump up your income level, to show up as a leader every single day in your industry and to understand what it feels like to have that deep level of trust within yourself and in your business, then join us for our Stripped Mastermind. It launches on October 1st, and we are here to guide you to rise in your life and in your business. We have all the tips, tools, and tricks, as you can tell, that you will need to get elevated in your business. And we cannot wait to show up for you 
every single week in our coaching calls. We are going to be your sisters in business, the group that you must mind with. This is a small, intimate group of five female entrepreneurs and leaders. And we have a secret for you. There is a live little text group. So you get us all to yourselves all the time so we can celebrate the little things and work through the hard things. So Stripped Mastermind, the link is in our show notes and we'll see you there. This is for you guys. Thank you so much for joining us today. There really is nothing better than bringing a group of grown-ass women together. So go ahead and hit subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and come get real with us every week as we spit our truths and get ready to rise. And if you know other women down to get real, please do us a favor and share this episode on the socials. Take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram at ForTheWildFemme so we can give you a shout out. Instagram is definitely our favorite place to hang. So come join the combo there and we'll see you back here each and every Thursday. Thank you so much for being here. Get ready to rise.